There wasn't enough mess. She had two plates, two glasses, and two mugs to load into the dishwasher. One bed to make, and no laundry today. If you told her ten years ago how much she would miss all of that, she'd have laughed and told you you were crazy. Upstairs in 8A, B, Blair Stewart's housekeeper Mary would also have laughed. She'd been up since six, waking alone in the windowless maid's room off the laundry, as she had done for the past six months, and now she was serving waffles, each plate configured slightly differently to the steward's three kids, while Blair issued the day's instructions, and Bobby moaned that the dry cleaners hadn't returned his gray pinstripe. Mary didn't mind being told what to do, wrong career path if she did, but she hated the way Mrs. Stewart did it. When she said, "'Clean the laundry room,' she always added, "'Really well, please, Mary,' as though there were any other way to do it, or as if she ever did anything else. You'd think a woman who was so damn particular about how things were done would do some of them herself. But, of course, Mrs. Stewart was perpetually busy. Today was a luncheon. Mary had still to figure out what elevated a regular lunch by those three letters into a luncheon, but she figured it had something to do with money. Mrs. Stewart would go to that gym on the corner of Madison and 85th, the one she went to every day during the week, and then get her hair blown out and get dressed up to go out and do good. Forget about doing any good in her own home. Mary didn't like Blair Stewart at all. God knows she needed a job and the money wasn't bad here, but if it weren't for the kids, she'd be thinking about finding something else already. The kids were okay. A little lazy, a little spoilt maybe, but whose kids weren't these days? Dr. Hunter Stern in 4A slept on. He never had a patient until 11 a.m., and since he saw patients in the apartment, he never needed to get up before 10.30. An insomniac since his 20s, he was never asleep before 3 or 4 in the morning, and he wore earplugs so that the cacophony of a Manhattan morning didn't disturb him once he had dropped off. He couldn't take sleeping pills. He had an addictive personality, like so many of the patients he counseled. That ruled out red wine, too, which would also have worked. He read biographies avidly, and usually dozed off, eventually, on the sofa, heavy tomes rising and falling on his chest. Across the hall, Violet Wallace fried an egg and two rashers of bacon, as she did every morning of the week. She carried the plate through to the dining room, where she had laid the table the night before, with a linen napkin and silver cutlery, and switched on the BBC World Service on the radio. Cat, the smoky Abyssinian cat she had resisted getting for so long, refusing to conform to the stereotype of the single old lady, and whom she still tokenly resisted loving by calling her Cat, curled her tail around Violet's chair, rubbing her back against Violet's legs, oblivious to her mistress's ambivalence. Above her in 5B, Gregory Cole fed Ulysses, his chocolate-brown Labrador, who licked his hand appreciatively while his partner Todd took a shower. Todd ate breakfast with his assistant Gabrielle at the office every day, so Greg made a bowl of granola with yogurt for himself and flipped open the times, leaning against the granite breakfast bar in their kitchen. "'Sit down to eat,' Todd called from the bedroom. "'You can't even see me.' Doesn't mean I don't know what you're doing. Charlotte Murphy peered into the mirror, as she did every morning in 2A, and was, as she was every morning, disappointed to see herself peering back. 
Through the thin partition wall in 2B, built before building codes came into effect, Madison Cavanaugh had the opposite reaction as she tossed her mane of Bergdorf blonde hair and carefully applied another coat of lengthening mascara to lashes that already almost hit her eyebrows. Upstairs in 3A, newcomer Emily Mikanowski stretched her body into the cat on her yoga mat, trying to ignore the pile of boxes in the living room that still needed to be unpacked, while next door, Arthur Alexander dreamed his troubled dreams and snored, spittle setting into the corners of his mouth. And on the other side hung Hamazaki, just back from a fast three-mile run, turned on the shower, and hoped the hot water would come through fast. He liked to be at his desk at work by 8.45. The furnace burned, and the pipes ran. Kettles boiled on stovetops, and radiators creaked. The building was waking up.